Okay, so I've wanted new boots for a few years, but I've never found any that I was really enthusiastic about. You know, boots that don't look bulky or dorky. But one day, I was scrolling through Instagram, and I was served an ad for these beautiful blue boots. Like, love at first sight. I went to the company's website, I bookmarked the page, and then a week or two still thinking about them, I finally put them in my cart, paid $90, had them shipped to me. And I think they're perfect. Like, they fit great, they look great. I guess we'll see how long they last. Little did I know, all I had to do was show Instagram everything I liked for the past few years and give data about my age, gender, and location to find the boots of my dreams. Hello, and welcome to Why'd You Push That Button, a show where Caitlin Tiffany Hi. and Ashley Carmen, that's me, talk about all the choices technology forces us to make. Congrats, we're in week two of the Instagram mini-series. I don't think we left you with a cliffhanger last time, <laughs> but you made it back. We're so thrilled to have you. This week, we are talking about why people buy things on Instagram. Why do you buy stuff? <laughs> I mean, this seems like an obvious question, but I think for a long time, people had this like reaction to online advertisements where they're like, why are these things so dumb? Why are they horrible? I would never buy any of this stuff, particularly the ads you see in like your Facebook feed, mm-hmm. or you don't click on, at least I hope you don't click on, the ads in like when you're reading TheVerge.com. You're not like, let me buy a Facebook portal. Oh my God. (laughs) So why do you buy stuff on Instagram? Why is it more appealing? Yeah. And this is a relatively new feature. Like previously, maybe you saw Kim Kardashian wearing a shirt and you were like, oh, I like that shirt. You had to do a little bit of searching through the blogs to source where that shirt came from, look it up, blah, blah, blah. Now, I don't know if Kim K actually does this, but some people will tag their clothes and you can literally shop a post. Mm -hmm. So Instagram is getting kind of muddy where it's like kind of turning into Pinterest. Also, the ads have gotten so good and precise because when you're on Instagram, what you're feeding the algorithm is like valuable information about your taste almost exclusively, like your visual taste, like things that you would buy. That's the accounts you're following. That's the influencers you're interacting with and all that. So the ads are just scary good. That's why people want to believe that your phone is listening to you through a microphone because they just don't, (laughs) they they don't want to think that they're that predictable based on their history using the app, but they are. Yeah. So I feel like maybe we should clarify just up top. We're going to learn more about this in the episode, what we mean by Instagram shopping, because you and I already are kind of, we're talking to each other, but maybe we're talking past each other a little bit. (laughs) We're talking about a couple different things. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about ads, which are clearly gone through, that goes through Facebook's entire ad service, targeting, they can target specific types of users. They pay for you to see their ads either in the feed or in stories or wherever else Mm -hmm. Facebook has figured out that they can put ads. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of mentioned Instagram shopping experience, which to be honest, I don't know a ton about, which I just think of as like, oh, tagged posts where I can click on the picture and then shop from that post. Right. Shoppable tags. Exactly. As opposed to like clickable ads. Exactly. Right. So there's kind of two two things happening here. Caitlin, I actually don't know the answer. Have you bought something on Instagram before? Yeah. So as I cannot stop talking about, I have bought so much Rihanna underwear because of Instagram ads because I was seeing them constantly and the deals kept getting better and better. And I was like, you know, like you are trained 
I think from a young age, being that we're around shopping and consumerism all the time, you know, like the deal gets better and better until it goes away. So it just conveyed to me, this is urgent. If I don't click on this ad this time, next time the deal will no longer exist. And then I have passed up my opportunity to own underwear that has been approved by Rihanna, one of maybe four celebrities who has never failed the hearts of America. So I clicked on the ad, which said two bras for $44, and it took me to the website where, indeed, you could get two bras for $44, the official Rihanna Savage Fenty website. So it feels like there's a little bit of security there. Yeah. Like you're not just shopping on Instagram. Like there's something about the idea of being ported over to a real website that makes me maybe feel a little more comfortable. Yeah. I don't know that I would buy something from a brand I hadn't already heard of or had some kind of cultural familiarity with. Like I, I don't know if I would click on just about anything on Instagram feed. I mean, Instagram's ads have never been like this as far as I can remember, but like you would never buy anything off of Tumblr. I don't know how many people spend any time on Tumblr, but the ads on Tumblr are crazy. They're all for like weird, like nasal drip remedies and just I mean, that sounds like my kind of product. Crazy looking products that seem very unlikely to actually exist. <laughs> wow. Um, what about you, Ash? Do you shop on Insta? I have never purchased anything on Instagram. First of all, I feel like when I see ads, I just have blinders. I'm really good at it. I'm so desensitized. I'm just like, mm, nope, swipe over. Like, I literally, it's, I swear I probably have a reaction rate of like milliseconds. Wow. <laughs> Done. Skip. Now, I do look through posts because I follow a lot of fashion brands and I would say they're more inspirational. Because I've discovered that I can't afford any of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I would say the line here is a little blurry, and I'm going to call you out a little bit. You are one of the first people that I knew personally to be sucked into the Glossier world. And while you were not literally purchasing their products on Instagram, mm -hmm. that's an Instagram brand. Like, that brand did not exist without Instagram. That's where they built their entire consumer base. That's where influencers were talking about it. That's where their aesthetic developed. That's where it got popular. So you maybe didn't directly shop on Instagram, but I think you're guilty of shopping on Instagram. I'm super here for that take that <laughs> Glossier is built on Instagram. I agree. I will say I don't follow Glossier on Instagram. Anymore. Never did. Okay. <laughs> but I had heard such great talk about boy brow. And because I lived in, live in New York, I was able to go to the showroom and try it on. That, for me, was a huge part, especially with cosmetics. I'm like, I'm not going to buy your boy brow thing. I actually think it was an influencer situation because my roommate in my old apartment had boy brow. And I always saw it in the bathroom, and I was like, hmm, what's this about? He's a boy, and he uses boy brow. And I was like, huh, it's good enough for him. It's <laughs> good enough not, for me. Not traditionally what people mean when they say influencer. <laughs> <but> Micro-influencer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, I can I can already guess what the reaction to this episode so far is going to be, and it has been a little one-star girl talk. <laughs> I'm super into this episode. And you know what, <laughs> Caitlin? It's not going to be just one-star girl talk because I talked to the editor-in-chief of The Verge, my boss, Neelai Patel. That's a segue I was looking for. Yeah, he is an Instagram shopper. And a dad. And a dad. Tell us about that combo. So somewhat unsurprisingly, because I feel like if you know Neelai, this definitely won't surprise you. He has a tech buying problem. It's definitely at least three different kinds of wireless charger, maybe four, and then some other extremely 
useless like USB-C gadget. Even though I'm not surprised by the habit itself, the gadgets that he is buying sound atrocious and like what you would find in a bodega or something. <laughs> <laughs> Completely unbranded. But apparently Neelai is a sucker for wireless charging solutions. The whole deal with a car is you have to get in, like you put your phone in the thing and line up the coils so it charges right. So this one talks a huge game about how the base was being held on with magnets and then the surface of it was like super grippy suction cups and you just had to like dink your phone on it and not mess with clips and it was like really small and minimal and I got it and like that was just a huge lie and it was really just like some tacky stuff on the front and it wouldn't stick to anything with glass to solve this this is true to solve this problem they gave you a, a sticker like a clear plastic sticker to put on the back of your phone case and I was like well this is horrible and I'm a sucker and then I immediately bought the next one that I saw why is he buying this stuff on Instagram instead of reading for example the Verge's guide to the best wireless charging solutions <laughs> incredible question incredible question also a thing about Neli that you would know if you knew him, is that he loves a good jacket. And so, of course, he's bought clothes. I was like, yeah, that's a nice shirt, like the shirt jackety things I wear. I was like, yeah, I'll just buy another one of those. I can never have too many of those. And it showed up and I was like, this is trash. I should have known, like it was a little too suspiciously inexpensive. I was like, yeah, $19, that's the right price for this clothing item that will be the most prominent thing I wear today. And that was not the right choice. Now, my biggest concern with shopping on Instagram, as I kind of already hinted at, is just the logistics of things. And somehow, Neelai figured out how to return this bad shirt. I'm not 100% sure that I got the money back. Like, I didn't check the statement. But I definitely mailed it somewhere. So up until recently, Neelai basically only saw ads for bad tech and cheap clothes. But once he started posting pics of his obscenely cute young daughter, who's probably like six or seven months old, dad Instagram found him. I get targeted with weird dad stuff. The diaper bag that doesn't look like a diaper bag. It's made out of like military grade Kevlar. And it's like, yeah, it's a diaper bag. Like, who cares? And even though he hasn't bought a ton of stuff on Instagram overall, I'd still say he he spent a decent amount of money, more than Caitlin and more than me. I have probably spent like $200 on Instagram. So it doesn't feel too much, but I don't need to own these things at all. And everything he's bought is bad. They're all trash. And I have thought about starting a series on The Verge called Dumb Shit I Bought From Instagram. But they're all really bad because they're not real products. They're just like repackaging of Alibaba products. I'm just an e-waste factory. What do you want from me? So this is the interesting thing is that Neelai, you know, has bought all these bad gadgets. But all of these terrible things have not come from one company. He says that once he buys from this bad company, they disappear to whatever server they came from and somehow more appear. It's the same kind of thing from other companies. You're an idiot who will buy a phone mount with a wireless charger in it. We know that you will. Here's 50 of those. And then I'm a moron because then I bought more of them. So now mostly what I see on Instagram is like extremely dumb phone accessories. And I'm always always like looking at him a little too long and that is just bad it's just bad all around it's almost like instagram and these companies have a list of people who are easy marks for a cheap gadget no offense neely instagram is just a good place to show me like a reasonably high quality video of your wireless charger and then i'll buy it neely sees most of the ads in his instagram stories which is where he does most of his shopping the story format is extremely well suited to making you buy stupid things. You're clicking through your store, you're in a good mood, and then you click on like an ad. You see what is basically a Kickstarter video, like a super glossy video of a gadget doing something cool. And you're like, yeah, it looks pretty cool. And then the story ends. 
So then you're like, ah, you know, I, I wanted a little bit more of that. You're like, I just want to watch the rest. You swipe up and then you're in. But let's be real. Eli cannot resist shopping the feed too. It's the same exact thing. You're like in a good mood. It's Instagram. And then you, you see some photos of a gadget. And you're like, yep, I need a new suitcase today. It's like, why? I've bought more stuff from stories in the feed. And for the record, because we got to be clear, he also loves to shop on Amazon. Like the Amazon recommendation engine will get me more often. Basically, if you're a company that exists and you're looking to sell a thing, especially a gadget, Gadget, just target Neelai Patel directly. I bought a book from like the 60s about how to run a car factory because Amazon's like, you might like this. And it's like, I've never opened that book. It looks cool sitting around. And so like we have enough Amazon trash just like lying around. The Instagram trash is like just a smaller part of that pile. But the Instagram trash is just different in character. Like at least I'm buying books I'll never read from Amazon, not white labeled Kickstarter. Ultimately, I'm happy that Neelai seems to be very well aware and not delusional that he buys things and should stop. But he also knows that if Instagram built out its shopping features even more, he'd be helpless to stop shopping. If Instagram had my credit card and I had to think about it even less, I would just be poor. Because it's like, ah, I don't want to, I'm going to type in my, my billing address. And I'm like, yeah, I am. It's 2 a.m. and you're getting my billing address right now. This is like the darkest insight into Neelai's life I've ever had. <laughs> I can't remember who it was, but I have seen somebody tweet that they had to order a new credit card because they had memorized their credit card numbers from using it so much that they were like, now there's nothing holding me back from buying stuff constantly. Oh so it's like once your credit card number is in there automatically, it seems like a similar scenario. Like, <laughs> I mean, we're actually going to talk to Instagram later, but... It sort of seems like obvious that they would have maybe eventually do that. Yeah. I mean, every online store, I shop on ASOS a lot, and ASOS has my account and they have my credit card saved and my address and all that stuff. And it's amazing. It's so convenient. I just see the thing I want. I'm like, boom, bought. Yeah. I mean, especially now that Facebook has free reign over Insta, I think like it makes sense to me that they'd be like, how do we make more money from this thing? Exactly. Yeah. So we, we need to do some investigating for Neelai because we need to help him. <laughs> Well, speaking of investigations, for our next user, I spoke to my good pal and coworker Rebecca Jennings, who is an internet culture reporter at The Goods, which is all about what we buy and why we buy it and why it matters. So perfect for this topic. Perfect. Yeah. She recently wrote about the craziest things that the Facebook and Instagram algorithms think you want to buy. There was one about how to start planning for your own funeral. People got like tickets to see like Jagged Little Pill the musical, which I thought was really hilarious. I mean, the answer is that who the hell knows how this is happening, but it's not that hard to like tell. Basically your, your computer, as you guys as tech ladies know more than me, that like your computer knows everything about you and so does every like website that you ever go on. She found this one guy who tweeted something like, does my computer know that I'm balding or worried about going bald? He was convinced that the algorithm had tapped into his deepest fears. He was like, I just got a Facebook ad for a hair loss product. Are they using my pictures to like figure out that I'm balding? Because he's like, I'm pretty sure there's no other way using my internet behavior for them to know that. He finally like deduced that it was like, okay, I'm in my 30s. Of course, I'm getting like hair loss ads because that's just the rest of our lives now is getting like ads for, you know, losing weight and like covering up wrinkles because that's what happens to everybody. Everybody. 
So I asked her if she thought this was kind of the trend. Is the Instagram feed just full of young, hot people? And that makes us more likely to buy something, anything that will improve our physical appearance and help us stave off death. My big bugaboo with Instagram ads are the bra ones. I mean, if you're a woman with an Instagram, your whole Instagram is bra ads. Like, it's just like these very slender women, like, and their tits. But the shopping trend Rebecca hates the most is the customizable clothes that use your birthday and last name. But the funny part is that, like, when you go to their website, they will have that for every single last name they can think of. There are all these shirts that are like, good girls go to heaven, January girls go hunting with teen. Never underestimate an old man who is also an Air Force veteran and was born in November. Like these these items of clothing like don't exist physically. Like they're photos of sweatshirts with these algorithmically generated slogans on them. So they don't exist till you order them basically. So Rebecca will not be buying a Jennings Blood t-shirt, but she will buy other things that the algorithm shows her. Well, I think Instagram in general is a lot more like shoppy than than other like social networking things. I would never even think to buy something off of Twitter because you just don't see that kind of like visual like consumer culture as much as you do on Instagram. Like there are ads for fashion items and for like stuff everywhere on Instagram, even in like people's posts, like they'll tag the brand in a way that doesn't happen on Facebook or on Twitter or anything else. She says she's actually probably even more susceptible to an Instagram ad than another kind of ad. When you're just like scrolling through your feed, like you're not really expecting to like shop. And if it's just, if it's so like, oh, suddenly there's this great deal or whatever, then maybe, yeah, if it catches you off guard and then they like advertise it really well versus seeing it when you're already going to shop, seeing a sad coat on a rack. I think that's a different experience and it probably works a lot better. Like there are so many fashion brands now that like Instagram is their like whole strategy. They wouldn't exist without Instagram. So I, I definitely think that for a lot of people, these ads work really well, much better than they would at, at stores and stuff. Well, as we have established quite thoroughly by now, I am obsessed with the Rihanna ads on Instagram and with people buying stuff at the urging of a celebrity. Um, so I'm going to hog a little bit of this episode time, if that's cool. You have my permission. <laughs> I'm not in a place to do anything else than accept. <laughs> okay, great. To get to the, the bottom of the celebrity-influenced shopping trend on Insta, I talked to the co-founders of Choosy, which is an app that algorithmically finds the most popular celebrity clothes on Instagram and then makes like cheap, accessible versions of them in a factory owned by one of the founder's parents in China. Whoa. <laughs> which is how they do it more quickly than say like your H&M or your Zara, like your traditional fast fashion brand that needs like a few months to copy a celebrity style, they can do it instantly. You can also alert them to a celebrity style that you want them to copy on Instagram by tagging them in a photo of a celebrity. Oh my God, this is fascinating. So I spoke to the co-founder and also the chief technology officer of Choosy, which is the brand that rips off all the celebrity styles that you see in your Instagram feed Whoa. and then advertises these ripoffs to you in your Instagram feed. Whoa, so we're getting a little bit of the seller side here. It's a galaxy brain. Okay, we'll hear Caitlin's interview after the break. Hey, it's Tom Warren, Senior Editor at The Verge here. Microsoft is in an era-defining moment. It's betting on AI as the future of work, 
its Xbox business is going through transformational changes, and the Mac versus PC war is about to be back on. So I'm launching a newsletter called Notepad. It'll be your inside guide to all those changes and beyond, from details on the next Xbox to that one time every Microsoft employee named Michael appeared on a mysterious email list. Whatever is happening at Microsoft, you'll be able to read about it first in Notepad every Thursday. Go subscribe now at theverge.com forward slash notepad. Okay, we're here with Jesse and Mo from Choosy, a fashion brand that makes affordable dupes of celebrity styles. So I'm really curious, like, how you guys decide that, because I know, like, the proposition of Choosy is that it uses, like, AI, right, to determine, like, what are the hot celebrity items. So what our AI does is that it kind of simply gives us a ton of options to select from every day, depending on what's trending. And it ranks that um, based on the user sentiment in the comments. So if a photo of Kim wearing something has a few hundred thousand women saying, oh, I need that, I love that, where can I buy that? That's when it gets picked up using our AI and it shows up in a selection. And then from there on, us humans then go through and see, well, is that wearable? Is that something that our girl will wear on a night out or to work? Is that something that we need to refine? Do we need to do it in a different fabric? So then how long does it take to make something once you've decided like we should make a version of this you know like the Gigi Hadid pearl jeans yeah 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 in terms of how long it actually takes to make it it's about a couple of days so it takes us about two days to sample it and then another week to get it out but what we generally do um, is that currently we're doing drops about once a month because we found that was a frequency in which users wanted to see a new collection obviously there's lots of fast fashion brands who want to capitalize on what celebrities are doing. How does being like Instagram first allow you guys to be faster about it than say like H&M or Zara or something? Yeah, I think um, ultimately we're very different than what's a traditional fast fashion player in the same way that Instagram really replaced like Vogue, for example, for fashion inspiration. Players like H&M and Zara are still looking to kind of editorial and what celebrities are wearing down the runway um, as inspirations for what they're making seasons in advance. Whereas for us, we look on our Instagram feeds every single day. And that is the inspiration which creates every single collection. Right. And to add on to that, I think for us, on our technical capability standpoint, we're able to basically capitalize on trends from just a month ago versus for many bigger fast fashion players. For them, it's a few months. So for us, we're basically able to be more on like real time with our consumers in terms of what's trending on Instagram versus them, which they have to produce like two, three months in advance. So is Instagram where you're primarily seeing people buying the clothes as well or just talking about what they want? The majority of our users find out about us through Instagram, and that's where they come for the experience. But in terms of conversion, the majority do convert on our website. So they come to our website after they see what they want, and they already have a sense for what they want, and they come to the website just to buy. I'm really curious which celebrities actually have the most like real influence um, yeah. on Instagram, since influence is such a weird, vague word. Like, What do you see really 
Yeah, it's so interesting because obviously um, the topic currently is about how Kylie Jenner might be the youngest billionaire ever from Uh selling her live kits. But we, for example, found that Kylie doesn't convert that well for clothing because she's so focused on makeup and that's what her audience really responds to versus someone like Gigi Hadid or like Bella Hadid, who's all about fashion, streetwear, what they wear off duty and their fans follow them for that reason. So there you got like your top two? I would say we have like a top 10 to 15 and they fall within that. What do you guys see as the as your typical shopper? Like what are the demographics? Who are people who are going to Instagram to buy clothes? So I would say the majority of them are bi-coastal, located primarily in New York and California. They're between the ages of 20 to 30 for the most part, and they have a decent amount of disposable income. And they're basically very social media savvy. They kind of know the icons, the clothing, and they're just go on choosy because they're, wow, we can really get that quickly in a much affordable manner than traditional designers. You mentioned the icons. That's something I'm really curious about. Is it a challenge for you guys at all that I, I feel like a lot of fashion right now, particularly streetwear, is like extremely dependent on the logo, and that's like obviously not something that you can copy or you'll yeah. get sued. Is that something you run up against a lot? So I think there certainly is streetwear brands such as Supreme, where it's all about the logo, but for others, it's also about the look, like something that's like white denim with contrast stitching. Mm-hmm. That's when it's not about the logo anymore. It's more about the silhouette. Um, what are new ways that designers are thinking about using fabric and contrasting? And I think that's where Choosy really excels. So we're, we're always talking about like the Instagram algorithm here, um, which is like very opaque for some people. What do you guys see like really working and like how have you had to, you know, like toy with things to like what are your your bugaboos? <laughs> that's actually algorithm? yeah, that's actually a great question. Like I would say a lot of our team focuses a lot not on the algorithm itself, but how to engage our audience and increase engagement on Instagram day to day. I think what we found is that the algorithm actually really helps sort out the spammers that were on Instagram about a year ago. So if done well, it's actually to your advantage because you're really able to then rank higher on someone's news feed if your audience really buys into your story and into the brand. What are some things that perform really well for you guys? We love doing polls. So it'll be like, which was your favorite look that we created from the last drop? Tag a best friend and you might win it. So things like that. We um, we get a ton of voting just on our stories where we're like, should we drop this? Do you like this? Should we do it in red? Should we do it in white? We love engaging our community even before the actual drop is. Right. Through Instagram and these polls and stories, we're basically able to give them a voice in terms of what they want to see for upcoming collection. I think nowadays in D2C brands, like really engage your audience in an authentic way is what separates the good ones from the bad ones. So I noticed like H&M recently like acquired an AI startup. Do you think that that has anything to do with you guys or are you... Like, how do you think the rest of the industry is responding? Yeah, I think AI is kind of the next frontier. For us, it was built into the DNA from the very early days, just because one of my best friends and our CTO, who's not with us today, was um, a co-founder of the company. So it only made sense to leverage her skill sets and her research in the AI space to push the frontiers for fashion. I think a lot of folks in the fashion space are starting to just now realize how can we 
we use AI and machine learning to reduce inventory, better predict merchandising, amongst a host of other factors. But I think for us at Choosy, AI wasn't really developed later on to see what can we do with it, but it was more kind of like there's so much information on Instagram, sure, and you have to help us build an algorithm to sort through it. In addition, I think down the line, I think AI is really useful in terms of separating us from other competitors as well because we're able to use AI to really personalize the website for each user. So when we have thousands of different SKUs up on the website, what you see on the website might be a lot different from someone from California sees. So that way it's really personalized for each user and that's really what will give the users come back because they can't get that anywhere else. Just to clarify, the clothes, like when you drop them, are they still like made to order or do you have like inventory? We have small batch inventory. Okay. And then the additional pieces, when it sells out, we're kind of made to order okay. fulfillment. So what kind of things do people actually buy on Instagram? Because I'm really wary of the idea of buying like pants, something that like where the fit is like so important. Yeah. It just seems really random, although like I guess... I cognitively know that it's not different than online shopping. Right. But it just, it feels so much more opaque to me. Like, where would I send these pants back to if they didn't fit? I ordered them off of a social media app. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably why, to most point, a lot of customers do end up checking out our website um, before they complete that purchase. So if they were doing the purchase in the app itself, it's probably not the first touch point they've had with us. Like maybe they've already checked out our site, they've seen user reviews, or they've even seen their favorite influencer rocking one of our items. Um, I think that being said, our best sellers are definitely dresses and blazers. So maybe there is something about pants that make people hesitant to buy online. I'm going to sound like I have a vendetta <laughs> against pants. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think to add on to Jesse's point, I think when first time users come on and they see our Instagram, they're like, wow, this looks really interesting. But then they always, I think consumers nowadays, want, when they want to spend $50 or $100, they want to see if the company is legitimate or not. Mm-hmm. So they will go to the website, see what we're about, see if we can actually fulfill everything. And then once they get their first order, they won't be as hesitant to shop on Instagram. So the second time around, they're like, oh, I really like that from Choosy. I'm just going to buy it on Instagram. And they won't have to really background check us on the website again. Right. Is that something that you guys struggled with when you were launching? Just like, you know, like if you are Instagram first, then that's like not something that a lot of brands have done. Like, does it come off like scammy to people? I would actually definitely say that our price point is not what is typical of the first generation of Instagram brands, which are your kind of like boohoo's or the random Chinese websites that there's so many brands of. Um, their price points are kind of 15 to $30, which makes it a lot easier for users to convert, whereas we are going after that higher-end shopper who is looking to buy from us, not only to wear that once and because it's a great deal, but maybe that's something that she can have in her closet. Are you guys at all concerned about like another Instagram co-founders have left and like Facebook is presumably going to be like a lot more involved in Instagram? Is that something that's a concern as like business owners on the platform? I think we're cognizant of those changes, but at the same time, we are diversifying our distribution channel to our users away from Instagram as well. So for example, we're really focus on cultivating a community. And what that means is that we also have a secret group of Facebook users who, I think it's the 300s now, who kind of submit their styles every day saying, hey, can you make this? Can you make that? So it's kind of where we have a multi-pronged approach. 
where Instagram is definitely our main channel right now, but down the path, we have diversified in such a way that we have other avenues of capturing our customers. Yeah, we also have um, customers because our address was on Google Maps for a while. We used to have like customers come every other day. They just showed up at our offices. So now we're amidst hosting some in-person events to really cultivate that community. You're based in New York? Yeah, we're based in New York. And you have people just like show up at your door? Yeah, it was. And we're not even on the first floor. We're like on the fifth floor in the block in Soho. And people just, a lot of our customers are like, oh, I shopped on Choosy. I follow you guys. I looked you guys up on Google and your address (laughs) showed up. (laughs) That's so funny to me as like the idea of this brand being like, you can do something super quickly just by tagging us on Instagram. People were like, no, I'm going to like come to your building in Soho (laughs) and like request a skirt. Like some of them don't even live in New York. These girls go to Tulane. They just showed up one day. (laughs) Wow. That taught me a lot about my personal obsession with celebrities and why it's becoming increasingly easy to copy their style. But since Choosy says that most people still go to their website before they buy things, uh, I think it's important for us to talk to someone from Instagram who's talking about the immediate Instagram shopper, not the one who's doing research to make sure brands not fugazi. Yeah, because that goes back to exactly what you were saying about Fenty, where you were ported over to the website. Same with Neelai, he's been ported over to websites. Right. It seems like as of right now, no one is actually buying in Instagram. Mm -hmm. Maybe they will in the future. I don't know. (laughs) So we're going to talk to Layla Amjadi, a product manager at Instagram Shopping, about all the features that exist and maybe what's to come. All right, so we are back with Layla M. Jaddy, product manager at Instagram, specifically in shopping, right? That's right. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So to start things off, we've been talking about Instagram shopping, but admittedly, I'm kind of confused about what that even means because I feel like there's a billion different ways to shop on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if you can kind of give us, if it if there is a billion, then the amended version of When I say Instagram shopping, like, what does that mean? So I think it starts with a little bit of the history of how Instagram shopping as a product area came to be. And I used to work on the Explore tab for several years at Instagram. And it's all about, you know, helping people connect to your interests and keep up with your interests. And in talking to people, it was very clear how big of an interest shopping is for people on Instagram. You'd be like, you know, what do you like to do on Instagram? I like to shop. And they'd be like, oh, really? Like, interesting. Like, please show me how you shop. And then you'd hear all these various ways to your point of how people are finding paths to shopping on Instagram. You follow a brand, you keep up with them in your feed, you then search for them, you keep up with the story. But while there were so many various ways or hacks of shopping on Instagram, one thing that was very, very clear is that there's a big pain point that everyone shares, no matter what hack they're using, and that is figuring out what exactly is that product in that post or in that story that's inspired me. And so as a shopping product, what we're trying to do is really just help people do what they're already trying to do on Instagram and all these different ways of shopping, but reducing that friction and specifically focusing on the question of what is that product? What is that particular thing that's inspired me? And so the way that the products manifested in this first version is helping businesses, just as you would tag your friend in a picture, tag that exact product that's in that picture 
so that people can tap and actually go deeper and explore that product on Instagram. So when we say shopping on Instagram, that's what we mean. It's that it's that ability to discover products specifically off of these inspirational posts. Is that uh. different than in stories? Like, is there a difference between grids and stories? Yeah. So we started off with shopping and posts. And, you know, you'll see people be like, oh, good. Like, now I don't have to ask questions in the comments anymore. I could just tap right there. But then, you know, it was still the case that people wanted to know in stories as more and more businesses are investing in stories and video and story. Like, what is that skirt that's like really cool in a story? And so we introduced product stickers recently to let businesses tag, just as you would, for example, a hashtag location, again, tag the product. Um, and then again, you can tap through and go straight to exploring what that product is on Instagram. So you consider this the first version? Yeah, I think to your point, there's so many ways that people are shopping on Instagram, so many of these different types of journeys. And our job is just to meet people where they are and ease that journey at any given time. So as we've been talking to people about shopping on Instagram, we've realized there's actually three types of shopping that are taking place. On one end of the spectrum, we have what you're calling, you know, what we call serendipitous shopping. And this is the equivalent of, you know, you're going to meet up with your girlfriends for coffee, maybe in Soho or something, and then, you know, they're late, and then you have five minutes to kill, and there's a CB2 right there. And you're like, you know what? That looks really cute. Let me pop in and see what they have. And so in that moment, you didn't have intent to shop, but you were inspired to do so. And that's the serendipitous case, and that's where we are today with shopping and feed, right? You open up Instagram for a whole host of reasons, and then you're inspired to explore more based off of the brands you're following in your feed. On the other end of the spectrum is what we call um, intentful shopping. And this is the type of shopping you do when you know, you're moving and you know you need a coffee table and you go straight to CB2 and like look up that coffee table that you need. And then there's something in the middle that we've been calling window shopping, which is the type of shopping you do when you just love the activity of, in and of itself of shopping. It's a hobby for you. Um, you make time for it as you would to make time to go to the gym or play a sport. And that's the type of shopping we're trying to focus on now. So really continuing to focus on serendipitous shopping and fee, but introducing the ability to window shop specifically and explore. And that's where we've introduced the shopping channel and explore, giving you a place to go when you're in the mood to shop. I guess like what I'm curious about is when people talk about like fashion on Instagram or brands on Instagram, they're talking mostly about brands that like built themselves on Instagram. So like Revolve or Glossier or something like that. Do you see those brands like using these features as you introduce them or is it a different type of company? You know, there's so many businesses on Instagram. There's like 25 million, I think, was the last um, number we shared. And people are really connecting to them on their own accord. I think like 80% of people on Instagram follow at least one business. So there's like lots of businesses, lots of diversity, lots of people connecting to those businesses. And so we're seeing a whole range of businesses using shopping on Instagram, everyone from Glossier to Kylie Cosmetics to Nike to H&M. And so it's been interesting to see how they all are using the product and, and learning and adjusting. Does Instagram take a cut if someone tags the product and then you buy it through that tag? We're not financially involved in that. I think, you know, the main thing that we're focusing on is just really building a consumer experience that people love. All of our products, and, you know, while this is very much a product focused on also helping businesses, we're starting all of our thinking, thinking about the consumer and what does the consumer want that shopper need. And we think if we build a really great consumer product, it's going to just pay off for the businesses too. So, Neelai, who was on the show, yeah, I think he was saying he gets served ads that he then buys from. So how does that relationship work? Like you clearly have this clear shopping product mm -hmm. and then you have advertisers who can do like swipe up or whatever, buy through this. 
it's amazing to me how much I hear people talk about they love their ads on Instagram. <laughs> and they just them every time. And it's like, it's, I found this amazing thing and this like this really quirky slime or whatever, this really cool jacket. or And so I think people are really finding that their, their ads are really relevant to them. And so when you one of the stories that you hear a lot when you ask about people and shopping on Instagram is I actually bought something from an ad. So what our product is, is an organic product. So you don't have to pay for it. It's free to businesses. And really what that gives us opportunity to do is build out a, an experience for people that is like re- readily and reliably available to them that they can seek out. And currently, you know, these two products, you know, I think the way that you can think about it for a bus- from a business perspective is shopping on Instagram the organic experience that I work on is about deepening the relationship with my existing my existing followers, people who already love my brand, keeping them in touch with what's new. And ads are a way to also then expand your your user base and your follower base um, and reach more people that maybe you're not otherwise reaching in feed. So a little bit ago, like when the Instagram's co-founders left, I spoke to a bunch of people who ran like smaller businesses mm-hmm. or artists. Um, and the people we spoke to recently from Choosy also talked about this a little bit, feeling as if they didn't like understand the algorithm and how their stuff was being prioritized in the feed, particularly in Explore and stuff like that. I wonder, are there any changes coming to the algorithm in light of Facebook being maybe more intimately involved or or what kind of changes are happening there? Yeah. So I don't work on Explore anymore in feed, but what I can share is that all of the focus of feed is to just to really make sure you're seeing all the things that are important to you that you said you want to see. And so with the launch of feed ranking, I think you know, what we saw is just like people were really actually catching up finally on all the things that they wanted to see in their feed. Explore in particular is really personalized experience, and it's about helping you discover and keep up with your interests. And so every person, it's really tailored to them. The advice that we used to share when I was working on Explore for any account that has an interest community associated with it is just be consistent in what you're sharing so that people know what they're going to get when they follow you and really adhere to that particular community's interests. And um, and if you're consistent and on theme, I think that tends to help build an audience that has a shared interest and is engaging similarly. And that always helps grow your audience. So, like, what's Instagram's stake in this? Like, if you're not getting a cut of people buying through a post, are you just hoping that creators will make enough that they want to keep coming to Instagram in order to essentially make money? So, like any investment that we make on Instagram, any new investment, it all comes down to building a product that people love. And if you build a product that people love, the business model comes you know, you don't start with the business model. You start with what is something that is in demand for people? Um, what's something that we could uniquely fill well um, if there's a big demand? And then, you know, those opportunities always come. And so I think that's, you know, very separate from how we're thinking about shopping. It's just how can we build a shopping experience that people love, just given the vast number of people who say they like already are shopping on Instagram, how much they love it. And frankly, when we hear those stories, how painful it sounds. So I'm excited for us to just nail a really exciting consumer shopper shopping experience and and see if we can fill that need and make it a lot easier. So if I were to start like a fashion brand yeah. tomorrow, in your professional opinion, is it more worth it for me to spend my money on like promoting ads in the feed or on like, you know, like building enough of a, a following um, to end up in the shopping explore tab and like figuring out the algorithm with like, I don't know, my algorithms with things skills. Well, I think it's always a both, right? And also depends on your objective. I think the businesses that 
do really well with ads have really great investments on the organic side too. So for example, like I got a great ad for Wear Lively, which recently set up shop in Soho, it turns out. But I went to their profile, which is something that people do when they see an ad that's exciting to them. They'll navigate like, oh, who is this? What is this account? They had all this amazing content for me there that they've just created naturally that helped me really understand their brand story and want to connect with them and want to follow them and and keep up that relationship and then and then see that brand and their products unfold in my feed on a more consistent basis. So I think it's a both. Certainly there are plenty of brands on Instagram that um, have built their base and following just off of producing really great content and hearing their community and being consistent, being on theme, like I said earlier. So I think there are so many interesting tools, I think, for businesses to build those relationships with people and show up the way that they would if you could walk into their store. Even with direct message, you hear all these stories how brands are using direct message in really interesting ways to build out these personalized business shopping experiences. Like I have a boutique in San Francisco. I used to live in San Francisco. And when I moved to New York, I was so sad to leave my boutique, but I was largely sad to leave that boutique owner because she'd become a friend to me almost. Um, But we maintained our relationship over direct message. And she pings me like, hey, I have these new things in store. She sends a picture and like, oh, that's interesting. And then I'll go on her website and buy it. So I think it's it's cool to see all these various tools that businesses are using to both broaden their, their base and deepen those relationships. Glossier is trying to start like its own social platform. And it's kind of been like being on Instagram, like it was useful for what it did for us. And now it's gotten expensive and we can do our own. Like, is that something that you guys are at all concerned about or um, have any insight to you? Yeah, actually, the um, their head of product used to work at Instagram. He used to run direct um, mm-hmm. for us. So those are all the secrets. <laughs> well, um, I think I think what it just speaks to is we as Instagram are serving multiple use cases, multiple verticals, right? We have a huge community in beauty, but also the sneakerhead community, et cetera. And so naturally, Glossier has a focus on beauty, and they have an opportunity to really go deep on that vertical and explore products for that vertical in particular. And so I'm excited to see you know, what they generate to really help the beauty community in particular. I think they've been an amazing story for how you can really start, get your start on Instagram and grow. It's cool to see, you know, when you go to their flagship in like Soho and there's a line out the door. It's sort of like people meeting a celebrity in person, right? Because it's like this brand that they've come to know and love on Instagram. And then they finally get to meet it in person, sort of like you were a celebrity. And there's just like an excitement around that. That's a story that many brands have had, you know, Saludos, Everlane. There's a bunch of them like that. So how do you think about like sponsored content um, and like are there rules around whether people can tag sponsor content for shopping, if they have a business page, things like that? Yeah. So right now, only brands can tag, can access the shopping feature. So traditional retail businesses um, that sell their own products. But, you know, to your point, like there's a bunch of people that are a big part of people's shopping journey on Instagram. And we call them all sorts of, you know, celebrities, influencers, creators. And you hear stories of, you know, I'm I was following this particular person and I follow them because I really trust their taste and their style and they tag the brands that they're wearing and that helps me discover new brands. And so I think that it's a useful thing for people, especially in the areas of beauty and home decor and fashion that we're focused on, to be able to look to the people that they trust to discover these new brands and get ideas for what they might buy directly from that brand or just generally what's like 
in season on trend um, that they can emulate based on what's already in their own closet. What do you think is so effective about an ad that makes people shop? Like, what are are there best practices you've seen that you're like, oh? Or is there something that you've learned from the ad side that the shopping team is now like, oh, this is something we can like try to integrate into our own product, just learning from even the psychology of yeah. how people think on Instagram? It's a great question. I think two things come to mind. So one is the personalization. And that's consistent with one of our themes and principles for shopping on Instagram, which is this should be your personalized mall. This is all about what you love and what price point works for you, what categories work for you, your taste. So that's one key reason why I think people are really enjoying what they're seeing in, in their shop now ads is just how personalized they are. And then the other bit is, I think, how inspirational the content still is. The posts are very much like Instagram posts. They're like putting that product in an inspiring setting. And it's very consistent with what else is surrounding that ad. I think one of the strengths of our ad formats on Instagram is just how how much they are consistent with just regular posts on Instagram. And it really helps you really quickly understand, like, what is this? How do I interact with it? And the Shop Now ads are also really clear and consistent as well, just in and of themselves. So I think both the, the visual inspiration, that consistency with just organic content, and um, and that personalization is, is really making them something that people love. Facebook, for example, with ads has done reviews, sort of. Like, is this a good business? Yes, no. Were you happy with what you bought through Facebook? Is that something you're considering taking over from Facebook into Instagram? We have a new product coming out that is the ability to save products to help with that consideration piece because when people are evaluating a product in the case of the serendipitous shopping or window shopping, you might not be ready to buy it right then and there. It might be like winter and these are like, this is a spring look and it's not the right time. And so with saving products, we're going to help you actually save that specific product versus the post with all the products in it and give you a way to go back to it and find that product when the time is right for you. Got you. So no reviews. When you talk about trust, this is something I'm curious about. Because when we spoke to um, Choosy, they kind of said, like, we still see most people going to our website before Mm -hmm. they buy something because, Mm -hmm. like, we are conditioned, I think, to feel that online ads are scammy or are likely scammy. So ordering directly from the ad was, like, not appealing to people. I assume that's different when you have, like, bigger brand recognition. Um, I wouldn't be like, this Nike ad's a scam. Is that something that you guys are thinking about, like, how to make shopping on Instagram, like, look like something that you can trust? So all of the links like to off of ads and off of shopping take you to the website. So you can't buy directly on Instagram today. But that doesn't mean that we don't take trust very seriously. And so we have the ability to you know, report businesses or posts or products on Instagram. So if for some reason like you weren't happy with your experience offsite, you can go and actually report that ad. You can report that particular account. You know, we care about safety and well-being and commerce and a misleading experience is something we absolutely want to make sure is not on Instagram. So we have report flows that can call those things out in particular. What in your mind makes someone buy something on Instagram? Like what's going like what in their minds is like this is where I want to shop? So I think it comes down to that inspiration. I think if we talk about this window shopping experience, which is, you know, I broadly want to invest in a particular part of my life. You know, I broadly want to invest in my home or I want to really 
I want to like make my closet a certain way. I want to look a certain way. I want to express who I am. Instagram's a really good place for getting ideas on how to do that because it's so inspirational and so um, creative. And I think naturally, if that's where you're going to be inspired on how to, you know, decorate your new uh, studio apartment, or you want to figure out, you know, how to dress for the winter. If that's where the inspiration discovery is happening, then it's going to just, I think, be natural that people will then want to then go one step further and figure out how do I get this thing. So, yeah. You just see it as a natural extension of, like, you're here for inspo. You can have the inspo IRL. Yeah. And that's why we've been really very thoughtful about a one-to-one mapping, right? Like, it's not just a black handbag. Mm-hmm. It's that black handbag mm-hmm. the, and the exact one that inspired you. Awesome. So that was really interesting. I think the part that this is dumb that I didn't realize Instagram was thinking like this, but that they've totally identified the ways people shop online. Like she mentioned the serendipitous shopping and window shopping and whatever else, all the terms. I'm like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Like they're trying to make analogies to the real world, but I guess that works. Right. I mean, I guess it should have occurred to us that if Instagram knows what we're buying, they're also knowing they also know how we're buying it. It's true. How we feel about buying it. Maybe you, more than she was willing to let on, but... How do you feel about window shopping? <laughs> okay, so to me, like, the window shopping term, that was the first time during this episode that I actually sat up and was like, oh, shit. Because, like, <laughs> the idea of window shopping, when you think about window shopping, when you think about, like, breakfast at Tiffany's, or she's, like, eating her Danish or whatever it is and looking at the Tiffany jewels... First of all, she's obviously not going to impulse buy a Tiffany ring for reasons that are unrelated to what we're talking about. (laughs) But second of all, it's very limited. She has a limited amount of time. It's breakfast time. That's when she's standing in front of Tiffany's on 54th Street or wherever it is. That's when she's there. That's when she can see it. That's when she can look at the items and decide whether or not she happens to have like tens of thousands of dollars on her person. If you're window shopping in Instagram, all of those like restrictions are completely erased. I'm on Instagram like anytime, any place. I can be window shopping 24 hours a day. That's hell for my impulse control. I don't I don't know. This doesn't sound like a, a very exciting future for my for my bank account. Yeah, you know, to kind of bring this full circle, in our first season, I don't, you definitely remember, we talked to Nir Eyal, who now is like the big tech circuit guy. But he talked <laughs> about those triggers that get you to do things online. So you have internal triggers and external triggers. And I'm kind of wondering if when you're looking at an influencer's post, whoever, maybe the Kardashians, on Instagram, you're seeing Kim K looking freaking amazing in her hot pink bikini. And you're like feeling maybe bad about yourself that you don't necessarily look good in the hot pink bikini. Or you're like, I could look good in it you're triggered to maybe look into the post. And, like, it's smart that Instagram would maybe prey on that. Right. This also, I was actually just talking to this, um, a different sociologist today for a story on a kind of unrelated topic for the goods. And he was saying that a lot of what marketing is now is just providing context for people to understand why something is valuable. Because 
you know, every day things get introduced that you don't even really know what you would use this for. So like with influencers, like with Kim Kardashian, for example, like maybe I don't understand why like a basically see-through, like kind of cruddy looking like white sports bra is valuable until I see it on her in her grid. And she's like, my husband, Kanye West designed this. It's $500. You should all want sliders. <laughs> sliders are the hippest thing in the world. Yeah. So I guess Instagram to me is, it's it's now scaring me a little bit because the ads are too good. They understand you too well. The influencers are people you voluntarily followed mm -hmm. because you care about their design sensibility, their aesthetics, their taste, the things that they own. And now they're just making it easier and easier to actually, you know, get over that hurdle to buy something to like make the transaction. Yeah. Like when Kylie Jenner launches her lip kit on Instagram and you can just buy it within the app. That's going to be a scary ass day. <laughs> We're all just we should all be shaking. Home. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well great. I'm so glad we managed to to get down into the pit of despair yet again. We should be keeping count of how many times we've gotten down there. I know. And we should be keeping count of how many times we have to use the Kardashians for reference, but it is what it is. That's not our fault. No. Okay, well, that's this episode. Let us know what you think. You can always email us at buttonattheverge.com. You can follow Caitlin on Twitter at K-A-I-T underscore Tiffany. You can follow me on Twitter at Ashley R. Carmen. I would tell you our Instagram handles, but you can figure them out. We want to thank <laughs> our producers, Bridget Armstrong and Andrew Marino. They're the best. And yeah, stay tuned for episode three of the mini series. It's coming at you soon. Would you guys buy Why'd You Push That Button mouse pads if you saw them advertised on Instagram? <laughs> I assume that we have sold none of them. <laughs> That's it. Bye. <laughs>